And uh, we're going to look at verse 14. By the way, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Pastor Tom grew up in a Christian home and he's been singing since he could barely walk. And of course has been delivering the word for a number of years. And he's a great teacher and preacher in his own right. And uh, he's going to be in the house tonight ministering the word of God. And so support, support Pastor Tom, but most of all, come to hear the word of God. The last time he preached, he had a great message that I've been hearing about from different members about the God of the turnaround. And so I know that you will be blessed. Isaiah seven fourteen. Father, thank you for your word this morning. We're humbled because you are here. Your presence is here. We give you praise and we give you honor. Open our hearts, open the eyes of our understanding, flood our inner man with light today, we pray, and we give you glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Therefore, verse 14, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So we see then that 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, Isaiah prophesied about the coming of Christ. And in Luke chapter 1, we notice in verse 26, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel has sent from, was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. And so Gabriel is sent on behalf of our Heavenly Father to bring good news to her. You know, if you get an angelic visitation, it's a good day. But if you get Gabriel, it's a really good day. Now, if you were to go to Nazareth today... Now, Brenda and I were over in Israel a number of years ago. We, we could not visit Nazareth for some reason. But today it's a town of about... Mm, oh, it's a, a few thousand people. 50% Muslim, 30% Jewish, and about 10% Christian. In this day, it was only about 500 to 300. It was a simple rural town, a rural town that you would not go to, but rather pass through. You know, like when you go down to Anaheim or you go to Southern California or on I-5, you know that town, right? The town where you go to fuel up and get an In-N-Out burger and then just say, you know, thank God we're not from this town. And you just keep moving. Back in those days, you know, they heated their homes with wood and <clears throat> their homes were only about 500 to 600 square foot and some livestock lived in the home at that particular time as well. So when we're talking about Nazareth of that day, we're talking about a simple rural town. The majority of the people were very simple. They were illiterate. Now notice with me in verse 27, everyone say amen. <clears throat> verse 27 says to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, we are introduced to Mary, and we are introduced to Joseph. Let's look at Joseph, first of all. Who was Joseph? Well, he was a young teenager. In that day, they married between 12 years of age and 16 years of age. He was a poor carpenter. He was the, from the kingly line of David. This is a boy, perhaps in junior high, if you will, that could not yet grow a beard. And he's a guy who's going to marry Mary. And he's going to, he's going to raise Jesus, and he doesn't even have his license yet. He's that guy. That's Joseph. So he's working as a carpenter, and he's trying to save up enough money to marry the girl of his dreams. That's Joseph. 
Now, he was betrothed to Mary, and betrothal basically had three phases to it. There were three steps to a Jewish wedding. Number one, there was an engagement, which was a formal agreement made by the fathers. Secondly, there was the betrothal, the ceremony where mutual promises were made. And thirdly, there was the marriage. And the marriage took place about one year later when the bridegroom would come at an unexpected time for his bride. And so we see then Joseph. And now let's take a look at Mary. You know, the Catholics have cornered the market on Mary, don't you know? Mary was probably illiterate. Most people in that day were. I was raised Catholic, and so I know a lot about, you know, Catholicism. And I have nothing wrong with a Catholic. You know, I praise God for Catholics who are born again. If they are born again. But Mary was not in her 30s. Again, she was about 12 to 16 years of age. She did not wear a crown of gold, nicely embroidered clothing. She was not sitting on a gold throne. She was not holding a baby with perfect hair, wearing a white gown. That was not Mary. That's the Mary that I saw as a child. No, when you think of Mary, think peasant girl, peasant dress, pulling water out of a well, collecting firewood for her parents' home, about, as I said, 12 to 16 years old. But God comes to this 12-year-old to 15-year-old, And the angel Gabriel is sent to her as she's planning a wedding. Now I want you to notice what the angel said to her in verse 28. In Luke chapter 1 verse 28, Gabriel comes on the scene and he says unto her, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with you. And blessed art thou among women. Let's break this down just a moment. The angel said, number one, you're highly favored. Number two, he said, the Lord is with you. And then number three, he said, you are blessed. Have you ever heard that in the scriptures about yourself? Did you know that as a born again Christian, you also are highly favored of God? Psalms 512 says that he surrounds us as with a shield with the favor of God. You and I are favorites of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so favor then means an undeserved favor, an unmerited uh, love. It also, it is the word for grace. Let me just talk to you about favor for a moment. Because the theme for this year at Heart of the Bay was fog. The favor of God. Favor will get you to places that you could not get by yourself. I preached a message last Wednesday night about staying on the path that God has you on. And when you stay on that path, that path will take you somewhere. It is only the grace of God and only the favor of God that can get you to the place that God wants you to be. The favor of God gives you and I an advantage for success. Favor simply means this, to endorse, to support, to assist, to make things easier to provide you with advantages, and to show special privileges. How many of you ladies have seen some favor at the mall this season? Amen. The favor of God gives you and gives me an advantage for success. Favor, you see, opens doors 
creates opportunities, turns adversaries into allies, accelerates progress, and brings great blessings into our life. Favor is the birthright to every believer. Believe that. Embrace that. And confess that. Jerry Savelle says it like this. He said, when the favor of God goes before you, it opens doors that no man can shut. It opens doors that men say are impossible to open. The favor of God will change rules, regulations, policies, and even bring down governments, if necessary, to get you through the door that God wants you to go through. Amen. So say this with me. I have favor with God and with man. So religion, however is all about what you can do to earn God's favor. But Christianity is all about God favoring you and I by His grace, taking a nobody from nowhere and making them somebody in Him. Amen. And so, first of all, the angel said, you're highly favored. Secondly, the angel said, the Lord is with you. Well, I have discovered in the Word of God... That the Lord also is with me. And that the Lord is also with you. But not only is he with us, but he's also for us. And if God be for you, who can be against you? He said, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. I am with you, but let's take it a step further. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What an advantage for success when you have this indescribable gift living on the inside of you. Oh, thank God that he lives in us. And he's not in there just hitchhiking a ride through life. He's in there to comfort you. He's in there to lead you. He's in there to guide you. So, you're highly favored. The Lord is with you. Thirdly, the angel said to Mary... But you're also blessed. I found a verse of scripture in Ephesians 1, 3 that says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. We're not trying to be blessed. We are blessed. I mean, of the most blessed, we're blessed. He said, I bless you. He says, I'll bless you coming in. I'll bless you going out. I'll make you the head and not the tail. Say it with me. I am blessed. Now let's go back to Luke chapter 1. And notice with me in verse 29 through 23. And I'd like for you to read that with me today. And uh, let's begin. Go ahead. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Let's stop right there. The word cast there means she started reasoning, tried to figure it out. That's human nature, is it not? So she was a little bit confused. She cast in her mind, kind of like how we get sometimes. But notice in verse 30. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Now let's stop there. How many of you know that when you start to reason, the enemy gets access into your soul? And he can bring fear into our lives. Verse 31. <clears throat> let's read. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb... And bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. Verse 32. He shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest. 
And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, verse 33, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. I just got to preach just a little bit right on that one. Of his kingdom there will be no end. The kingdoms of this world are being removed. Is that right? The kingdom of Mussolini has been removed. The kingdom of Nazism has been removed. The kingdoms of this earth are becoming the kingdom of our God. The kingdoms of economy are shakable. The kingdoms of this world are extremely shakable. But you and I have been brought out of darkness into a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We serve a king and we live in an unshakable kingdom. Isn't that awesome? And down through the eons of time, you and I, praise God, will be worshiping the king of kings and will be honoring him. Will we not? So that's good news today. Now notice with me, of his kingdom, there shall be no end. Now we come to the point where Mary starts to ask the question. Let's look at verse 34. Verse 34, then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be? Seeing I do not know a man. Verse 35, and the angel answered her and said unto her, The Holy Ghost will come upon you. The power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. Therefore also that holy thing shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. So Gabriel gives her the answer that is going on in her mind. And Gabriel says, it's going to not be by might. It's not going to be by your own power. It's not going to be by the natural sperm of man. But it is going to be from the power of the Most High. The Spirit of God is going to come upon you. And He is going to overshadow you. Now, the word overshadow there means to cover with a cloud. Basically, Gabriel's saying this. The glory of God's going to do it. He's saying the same glory of that Shekinah glory that was in the temple when it was dedicated and the house got so full that the ministers fell under the power of God, that same glory is going to come upon you and overshadow you and make something that looks impossible very possible. That same glory, Gabriel's saying, that Moses was in for 40 days and 40 nights, that same glory is the glory that is going to make this possible. Listen, the glory cloud is a visible manifestation of the presence of God. I love that. When you think about the glory of God and you look at the life of Jesus, we understand that he was born by the glory of God. He was, he entered into this world by the glory of God. When he walked this earth, He demonstrated the glory of the Father. You know, at Lazarus' tomb, it looked like it was literally impossible for Lazarus to come out of that grave, did it not? But Jesus said to his sisters, he said, Said I not unto you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. The glory of God is a manifestation of the goodness of God. And when the glory of God came forth, when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, he that was bound came out of that grave with his grave clothes on. 
And then the glory of the Father said, you loose him and let him go. So Jesus demonstrated that glory. Miracles upon miracles is a demonstration of the glory of God. Lepers being cleansed and blind eyes being opened and all of the things that he did, Jesus was manifesting the glory of the Father. And then there came a day where it was time to give his life up a ransom for all. He was raised from the dead, the Bible says, by the glory of the Father. And we understand that now that he has been raised from the dead, and when we come into his kingdom, you and I are his sons, and he is bringing his sons and daughters unto glory. You and I were raised from the dead like Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Amen. And I believe this, that you and I who are living in this day and this age are living in the church age. We haven't seen nothing yet. I mean, it's good and it's been good, but it's about to get better. And I believe this, that the body of Christ is going to so walk in the spirit and walk with God in this time This little sliver that we have left here on planet earth, that we are going to walk in the glory, that we are going to demonstrate the glory. And then there'll come a day where the king of glory will come in clouds of glory and raise his sons and daughters of glory and take us out of here. Do you believe that? I believe that with all of my heart. And so in verse 37, it says here for with God, nothing shall be impossible. I got to thinking about that. Thank God we're with God. And God's with us. Because we're with God and God is with us, nothing's impossible. But what if you're without God? Without God, there are a lot of impossibilities. Therefore, it pays rich dividends to live our life in God and for God. So that when we face something that looks impossible, we can rely on the God who lives on the inside of us. Say it with me real strong, with God, God. nothing Nothing. shall be impossible. impossible. Do you believe that? I believe that. Nothing shall be impossible. My life testifies of something that looked impossible that God took and turned into a possibility. Your lives represented sin and death. Many of your relatives looked upon you and said, there's no way. But Jesus Christ never gave up on you. Jesus Christ is the way. Someone believed for your soul. Someone believed for you to come out of darkness. With God, nothing's impossible. Now, here's what makes things look impossible By fixating on the impossibilities. By fixating and thinking about the problems. Looking after the things that look difficult. And that's why he said over in Hebrews chapter 12, he said, Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Say it with me, with God, God. nothing Nothing. is is impossible. God can take human flesh... And enter into history as the man, Jesus Christ. God can raise from the dead. 
He can hear your prayers. He can answer your prayers. And all things are possible to him that believeth. Now I want you to notice Mary's response of faith. Look with me at verse 38. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Be it unto me. Here's this simple woman. From a simple town. With a simple, sincere faith. And her response is, let it happen to me. Let it be right here. I'm your handmaid. How many of you know that this took more trust than you might think? Because in that day, if you were found pregnant without a husband, you were the ridicule of the city. In that day, adultery oftentimes was penalized by death. But here's what Mary did. She let go of her security. She let go of her comfort. She let go of her identity and the opinion of others. She doesn't even blink. And instantaneously she says, I'm your servant. What would you have me to do? You see, she opened up her life so that the king of glory could come in. And I believe that that is an absolute awesome example for, for you and I of our faith. How many of you know that Mary is not the dispenser of grace, but she's an example of grace? You know, when I was a, as a boy, I had to go into the confessional. I had a lot of sins to confess. Matter of fact, I had so many, I couldn't remember them. And they'd give me about 500 Hail Marys and the rosary about three times. Not really, but you'd have to sit there and you'd have to pray those prayers. And one of the prayers that you would pray is you would pray to Mary. Now, thank God for Mary, but we don't pray to Mary. We pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Mary is not the one who answers our prayer. Jesus is. Mary is not the one who dispenses grace. Jesus is. Jesus is full of grace and truth. Okay? But what has happened, of course, through religion, she has then become the object of many people's faith. She's not the object of our faith. She's an example of our faith. And certainly we don't want to put Mary down. We honor Mary as the mother of Christ. And we honor her faith. I think we would do well by opening up our hearts and our lives to the engrafted word. And say, look, it looks impossible. But you know what? I'm going to trust God anyway. So think about the time that she was living in. You know, she could have just said, no way, find somebody else. And I think there's a lot of Christians doing that today. The Spirit of God speaks to them or the Word of God ministers to them. And they see very clearly what God wants them to do. But they say, you know what? Not me. It's got to be for someone else. Listen, you will miss a blessing from heaven if you do not receive the instructions that God has given you. So Mary is is not the object of our faith, but she's an example of faith. And she said to, to, to the angel, she said, let her happen. Be it unto me, according to your word. How many of you have come across a situation where you cast in your mind some things and you wondered, how in the world is this going to be? And yet you saw it very clearly in the word of the Holy Spirit spoke to you. Your response should be the same as Mary. I don't understand it. I can't reason it out up here. But let it happen to me according to your word. 
Say it with me. Be it unto me according to the will, according to the plan of God. And so as a result of her affirmation of faith, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The word which is incorruptible seed was sown into Mary's heart. The spirit of God came upon her and God's word became the seed instead of the seed of a man. That is the miraculous conception through faith. Everyone say it with me. The miraculous conception through faith. And don't let any scientists or any religious leaders tell you that the virgin birth could not have happened. Don't let anybody talk you out of it. Listen, the virgin birth is one of the cornerstones of our faith. For if Jesus had not been born of a virgin, he would have just been another man. But Jesus was not just another man. He was the God man. He was the son of man, but he was also the son of God. He was Christ Jesus, but he was also Jesus Christ. He was divinity and he was humanity wrapped up in the flesh of Jesus Christ. Glory to God. That's supernatural. That's awesome. And he lived a sinless life. Somebody says, yeah, but he was the son of God. But did you know what? He was tempted in all points just like as we are. And yet he did not yield to sin. He was tempted just like you and I are tempted. But you see, God placed the Holy Spirit on the inside of him, which enabled him to live above sin and temptation. And you know what? The same spirit that Jesus had lives in you. And if you will walk in the grace of God and the fullness of the truth of God's word, you can live above sin. You can live above the curse because, in fact, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Hallelujah. So she accepted and she believed and then decreed it by her own words. Be it unto me. And that's the way you and I receive salvation. The sower sows the word. And the word of God is the seed. And your heart is the ground that the seed is sown into. And in your lap today, you've got 66 books of exceeding great and precious promises. Creflo Dollar says it like this. You've got 66 bags of seeds. And when we mix our faith... With a promise of God's word, then that word becomes seed in our spiritual womb and we conceive the answer. After a period of time, if you will work with this word long enough, you will actually see in the physical what you already had in your heart all the time. You know, you're looking at a guy that's pregnant. Somebody says, Pastor, I know you gained weight, but I know you're not pregnant. Yeah, I put a few pounds on through the years, and uh, but so have you. You know, that, that comes with the territory sometimes. You know, it's scripture, Lord, enlarge our territory. But spiritually speaking, you're looking at a pastor that's pregnant with promise. I'm hoping I'm looking at a congregation that is pregnant with the promises of God. Pregnant with the promises of God. You've received the seed of the word of God. You're watering it. You're praising God. You're watching over that word. You're protecting it. And you know what? It's getting bigger and bigger on the inside of you. You can see on the, on the inside what's about to happen on the outside. 
Oh, glory to God. And folks, if you can see the invisible, you can do the impossible. Pregnant with the promise of God. And there are times where it seems difficult to carry the promise. I mean, let's be honest about it. There was nothing easy about Mary and Joseph going up to Bethlehem. It was a road upward from Nazareth to be taxed when Caesar Augustus taxed the whole region. She was about to give child. And they didn't have Hondas and they didn't have Rolls Royces in that day. They had donkeys. And it was a rough road and it was a rough trip. In the natural realm, it seemed like a bad time. How many of you know that the enemy will all see, always see to it that it seems like a bad time? But you know what? She remained constant. She remained pregnant with that promise. You and I have got to cast not away our confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. You've got need of patience. Amen. You've got to count it all joy when hell comes your way. You've got to hold fast the profession of your faith without wavering. Hold on to the promises of God because your Bethlehem is coming. I said your Bethlehem is coming. She was delivered of that child, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Savior of the whole world came into the earth. Amen? Amen. Well, you and I are not pregnant with the Savior, but we are pregnant with what the Savior has bought and paid for us. So I want to encourage you. You know, if you're going through a difficult time, don't give up. Don't give in. Don't back off. Don't back down. Never give up. Never give up. Never, ever, 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 never, ever, never give up. Never give up. That's what Winston Churchill said. Not W.C. Fields. Never give up. Some of you are pregnant with the promise of a loved one becoming a Christian. And they look like they'll never make it. But you never give up. Don't you back down. Don't you back off. Others of you are pregnant with debt freedom. You're about to deliver. Never give up. Surely do the things that are natural to get out of debt. Amen. Don't overspend. Do the things that you must do to, to become debt free. But on the inside of you, give it enough time for your debt freedom to come. Amen. Others of you are pregnant with divine health. In the natural realm, it doesn't look well. The doctors have given a bad report. But I encourage you to hold fast to God's word. God's word that he said he he took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses. Say it with me. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give in. And so then when we mix our faith with the promise of God's word then that word, as I said earlier, becomes spiritual seed in our spiritual womb and we conceive our answer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And here's what faith does. Faith sees the answer. You'll actually be able to see your loved one saved. You'll actually be able to see your debt freedom. You'll be able to see your body healed. Verse 39 Verse 39, and I'm going to read uh, right on through verse 45. And so Mary stayed in the house 
and hope for something to happen. No, you gotta, you gotta be about your day. You gotta be about your business. And Mary rose up in those days and she went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah, which is a city of praise. And she entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. Now, who was Elizabeth? Elizabeth was her, was her cousin. And who did Elizabeth bring forth? John the Baptist. John the Baptist, okay? And it came to pass when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, John the Baptist, or the baby, leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Isn't that awesome? Here's the point I want to make. When you get pregnant with a promise and you're carrying the goodness of God in your life, it will be felt by people around you. It will impact the lives of people around you. I mean, Elizabeth was so impacted just by her salute that the babe leaped in her womb and she was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice. Everyone say a loud voice. And said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Verse 43. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come unto me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. (laughs) Woo! Glory to God. The babe leaped in my womb for joy. Brenda preached on it last week. When the announcement of the Christ child came to the shepherds, it was great joy. Listen, when Jesus came into this earth, joy came on the scene. And I'll tell you, he's the same yesterday, today and forever. He is the joy bringer. He is the joy bringer. No more sad days. No more down days. The joy of the Lord has come to earth. Hallelujah. Verse 45. Well, before we read that, I want to read something a commentator said. I looked this up the other day. He said this. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things. Elizabeth recognized that Mary's faith played an active role in receiving the promise. God's promises should never make us passive. They should prompt us To seize them by faith. He went on to say this. Elizabeth wanted to encourage Mary's faith. So she declared that there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. In other words, Elizabeth is saying, Mary, it's performance time. It is fulfillment time. I want you to look at Luke 145. Let's, let's read Luke chapter 1, verse 45 together. Ready, read. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. There shall be a performance. And there was a performance. Jesus Christ came into this world born of a virgin. You see, our Heavenly Father gives the promises. Yes, he does. And he is the great promise keeper. How many of you ever heard of that group of men called promise keepers? Those are men that are sold out to keep their promises to their family and keep their promises to their wives and 
keep their promises to their employers and so forth. To, to be a person that is filled with integrity. As good as the intentions of men and women can be, sometimes men and women fail at keeping their word. But you know, our Father never fails at keeping His word. Hey, listen to me. He is truth. And He will perform the promises that you and I have become impregnated with. Jeremiah 1.12 says this, that I will watch over my word to perform it in your life. I don't know about you, but I know about me. I believe it's performance time. And I believe that God wants to do some things so far out beyond that we can ask or think that if we will just simply place our trust in Him, it'll surely be performance time. Let's all stand up to our feet. Amen? Father, we thank You for Your Word today. We rejoice in the fact that Jesus Christ came to this earth.